0: This is episode 83 of the Water and Stone Church Podcast. My name is Dieter Randolph, and this is the sound of my voice.
1: And I'm Jenny Randolph. Welcome back.
0: Yeah. As we gather around this time, there's really only one thing that that I want to talk about as far as what we've been up to and all of that, and that is that on Friday—we're recording this on Sunday, uh, the 9th of September—and on Friday— uh, our kids bought us tickets to the Paul Simon concert yeah
1: the homeward the homeward bound his final tour
0: yeah and no, <laughs> it's pretty amazing and uh it was amazing to be there first of all you know as our kids get older there's not a lot of times when it's just the four of us anymore and uh you know that's bittersweet there's good things about everybody growing up and moving on and I'm grateful for the times when it's just you and I of course and I get to actually date my best friend and all that but there was something really beautiful about it just being the four of us at such a transformative thing.
1: It was magical. I'm wearing my um, Homeward Bound Paul Simon jacket right uh. now as we record this. It's, um, no, it was amazing. It really, really was. It was It was powerful and it was beautiful and it was art. And man, I don't even know how old he is. I think he's something, something, 70s something like that I have no idea no idea doesn't matter I don't care it doesn't matter and
0: it didn't but I know that
1: he's been doing it for a really 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 long time when he was even
0: talking about starting he was starting in the 50s when he started really writing songs and recording music and all of that so I just just think of that this is more than a half century of art and and you know it was there was no opening act it was just Paul Simon and I don't know there must have been 30 40 musicians on the stage at different times a lot of them anyway all kinds of stuff, and. You know, I grew up going to heavy metal shows where there'd be like a mechanical dragon and lasers and fireworks and smoke machines and the parts of the stage would move around and all that. And there's a place for that. I don't mind the drama of that. But the only drama really was just all of the just the music. Yeah. And it was so beautiful to see people at that level. It's you know, I'm not into sports, but I guess if you see an athlete who's at the top of their game, for example, or, you know, somebody just doing something amazing in that level, somebody working without a net, so to speak. And here is a master. And it was rock and roll and it was folk and it was poetry. And there was so much different Things going on there, and I, you bought that uh, the sweatshirt, and the kids each got a T shirt, and I got a book of his lyrics, which is basically the size of a phone book, because um, nobody writes like that, right? And it touches on one of the things that that you're going to hear in a minute in the uh, in the audio of the lesson, where we get to a place where we go, I don't know what this means, but I know that it's beautiful.
1: Well, and it doesn't really matter. it it, it was just. You know, there were so many favorites and I knew all of the songs and I'm such a fan. And, you know, if you're in my house for two seconds and I'm in the kitchen cooking, that's my music that I cook Mm to. So it's like, you know, it's so it's really, it was beautiful to see it live. And I just, oh yeah, so grateful. It was so much fun. And like you said, it was really, really so fun to see it with the kids and everything else and, um, and you know, more than 10,000 people along with us that were there and, you know, and you, all of those people, you know, believed enough in something to show up. Right. And I thought, wow, you know, it kind of it is as silly as it sounds or is, you know, gooey as it sounds or maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe more Pollyanna like, you mm-hmm. know, put my put my rose colored glasses on if they can show up for that kind of things it means that they can show up for when it's really important and yeah. and there's hope and there's beauty there so it was it was you know it was good it was really really good yeah
0: so part of my takeaway was is find a thing to show up for in your life find a thing that is just beautiful that you don't have to know why music doesn't make any sense i've talked about this many many times and here is a, not just paul simon but all of these musicians and artists who have come together and here we are as a community the tampa bay area um to support that mm-hmm. find a way to support something like that if we can come together about that we can come together about a lot of things but if you have a chance if paul simon's coming to your town highly recommend oh, it yeah, easily i've been, been to a lot of concerts well, i was gonna ask easily you, the best concert i've ever been to.
1: what was your what was your first concert
0: Oh, it's embarrassing. My first concert was Def Leppard. Uh, you know, photograph Rock of Ages. I even bought one of those British flag T shirts at the lead singer Joe Elliott. Oh wow! Uh, oh boy. Uh, but yeah, not great. Not great. We, but well,
1: we we you know, I mean,
0: yours it, was what the Almond Brothers. Yeah, I yes. saw Red Rocks.
1: Red Rocks, Colorado. The Almond Brothers Brothers yeah. were my first concert no, I was, that I went to. So this is like my this is my crew. Yeah, you know. <laughs> for well, sure. you know, it's one of
0: those things where I, I think that one way or the other find something that is, that speaks to your heart. And it was so funny because it was the four of us and we had really good seats. And, uh, I was watching our children as musicians, as technicians, watching them watch, you know, obviously they appreciated the art of it. And, there was, there was some times when music brought me to a, a teary place, and there was my daughter who's wired just like I am, and Rain and I cried at the same times during the same songs, and I love that connection. I love listening to that music and going, you know, my kids know about this because they heard it in mom's kitchen. Yeah, you know, yeah, and I love sure. that. I got, I got to. You were sitting on my right, and you're singing along with every word. So there's, there's my Jenny singing, and there's Miles who's just observing it the way that. Oh, uh, he was the in Termina- Terminator. Yeah, season. I was gonna say yeah. he was in
1: Terminator mode. He was studying the musicians and yeah. the way that they moved, and, and I mean, world and class, how they did but, their instruments and everything. And I, he was just completely absorbing. If I mean, if you could do it through osmosis, that kid mm-hmm. would have sucked it, you know, but
0: completely the thing is, up. There's something amazing about putting yourself in a position where you're just you're letting beauty happen. Mm -hmm. And whether that's a concert or an art museum or just being at the beach or really sitting at dinner with somebody and putting your damn phone away and just listening, just really being present. Because everybody brings something different to a big show like that and everybody takes something different away, I'm sure. But at the end of the day, you have a room full of people who are genuinely there. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, as the show began, We could see, you know, we weren't in the nosebleeds. We actually were down pretty low, but you could still see a whole lot of people between us and Paul Simon. And towards the beginning of the show, you could see a lot of phone screens. Mm -hmm. But through the course of the evening, they went away and they went away and they went away. And, you know, there were still one or two knuckleheads who instead of looking with their eyes, they were looking through their phones. But whatever. By and large, what you have is a room full of people who are present. And presence is the beginning of beauty. Nothing happens until you show up. So find a thing to show up for. Support something artistic and beautiful in your life, in your community, and it will change you.
1: Absolutely. And now we'd like to share with you our Sunday worship service for September 9th, 2018. The title of the lesson is called Why Not? And it is number 6. In our sign series, which is all about the recorded miracles of Jesus.
0: So, our scripture for today comes from John 9 1 through 3. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents that he'd be born blind? Jesus answered, It was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. This is how this works. This piece of scripture deals with the question that comes up so often. It's the why question. It's the who did it question, whose fault is it? Kind of question. It's so tempting to go all CSI Miami and try and figure out whose fault it is. Can we dust for error thought in this situation? Who did it? And I get it, I mean it's tempting. It's tempting to go to that place, the why place. Everybody in this room has had some moment where something happened and we scream at the heavens, why, whose fault is this, what did I do to deserve this X, Y, and Z? Everybody knows that feeling. When you're up in the middle of the night and you think you're the only person on the planet who's away. The only person on the planet who's dealing with that financial or that health or that romantic or that whatever situation. The question, is, whose fault is this, is, is not a natural question. We've kind of been trained to do the detective work on that. I get it. And especially in a world where, here at church, we talk about getting back to cause. Not fooling around with effects, but getting back to cause. There's a temptation to ask why. The disciples... Mean well <laughs> The word ought to mean It means something like stupid, But it ought to mean They meant well Over and over again They do the goofy thing And Jesus goes Guys come on now no, 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 Let me fix this for you And this is one of those situations Because they think They're being really cool They've seen too many Procedural police shows And they go Whose fault is it Let's figure this out We're going we're gonna to do The detective work on this We're going to figure out Whose fault it is And again Jesus goes Guys Not the point not even helpful. Because here's the thing. It's tempting to ask the why question, the "whose fault question, the blame question. But if you look for blame, surprisingly enough, all you find is blame. If you look for blame, if you look for fault, you're going back into the past. And your solution ain't there. Healing is about the future. Moving forward, well, it's moving forward, right? So looking back to the past doesn't help anything. Who did it doesn't help anything. It seems like it would, but it never does. The why question has never brought peace, has never brought learning, has never brought healing. It seems like it does, but it doesn't. You walk into the house and it's raining outside and there's a problem with your roof, and so it's raining inside. We're Floridians. Some people know what that feels like. The proper question is not, whose fault is this? Come on. Who did this? Well, entropy did it. The elements in it. Jim Cantori. Maybe it's his fault. But it doesn't matter. Fix it. That's kind of what Jesus is saying. It doesn't matter. Fix it. Why does it help? There's a problem to be solved. Why are there hungry people in the world? Well, there's a lot of reasons. And we can argue about it. All day long, that doesn't get anybody a sandwich. But in the process of fixing the problem, of finding a way to feed people, we develop a way of living that creates less hungry people. If you truly fix the problem, blame doesn't even matter. That's the thing. Let me break that down differently. If you have a problem, if there's something you're going through, in one way or another, whether it's romantic or healing or financial or whatever it is, it's a thing that happens. Right? We can all break down the broadest terms. A thing that happened. Well, if in the process of trying to solve that, you try to find another thing that happened. Well, what caused that thing? Well, let me find a thing that happened to cause that thing that happened. Oh, and I better find a thing that happened to cause a thing that happened to cause a thing that happened. And I better find a thing that happened. That, you know what I mean? And all of a sudden it's, I knew an old lady who swallowed a fly. And it doesn't matter. Perhaps
1: you will die.
0: It doesn't matter. And in fact, I don't know about you, but I've done that well meaningly, just like the disciples in the story. Maybe you've done that in your life too, trying to go back through infinity of a thing that happened and the thing that happened. And isn't it great that you get to that place sooner or later where you go, I don't know why she's followed the flag. You know what I mean? I don't know why this happened. It doesn't matter anymore. Isn't it beautiful that the universe has a self-correcting mechanism that we get to the place where we go, I don't know, now maybe is Isn't it great that we're finally exhausted? But the good news is you can shortcut all of that process if you quit trying to blame at the beginning and you start just trying to fix. Blame goes into the past. Healing is all about the future. And so as it turns out, the question is not why. The question is so what. in other words, what are you going to do about it? Here it is. This thing happened. You're going through a thing. It's real. What are you going to do about it? That's the question that brings healing. That's the question that brings sight in the story and in your story. Because that's what everybody wants. They want to see. I mean, literally, the guy in the story would like to see. And in fact, over and over again, there's a number of stories about healing where it's about the restoration of sight. That's kind of a big deal. It happens. But even metaphorically, really, that's the thing. Over and over again, the moment when somebody has a breakthrough, figures a thing out, is when they can see it. Saul on the road to Damascus becomes Paul when he can see. And how many romantic comedies, how many Nora Ephron movies are? Oh, it was that person all along, and now I see them for who they are. I mean, it's every story. Victory is embodied in the power of sight. Over and over And in fact, we know it's it's doubly important because Jesus says things like, "The eye is the lamp of the body" all the time. In other words, what you see is what you experience, and you can try that at home. Pay attention to what happens when you see problems everywhere you go, when you see issues, when you see that it's not good enough, it's not really smart enough, there's not really enough money. You can see what happens if you decide to complain about everything. Actually, don't try that. I've tried it. Maybe you've never had. Don't do it. Don't, don't start complaining. Because everything is like everything. If you practice complaining, the universe will go, oh, I guess that's what you want. Let me give you some stuff to complain about. Or what happens when you see solutions? What happens when you see an opportunity for healing? What happens when you go, I don't know how this is going to work, but I know it's going to work because I got this far? What happens? If you decide to be solution-oriented, if you decide to walk on the sunny side of the street, life will give you more opportunities to do that. The eye is the lamp of the body. What you see is what you get every time. Every time. So what do you see. And that's really what everybody wants. I mean, think about it. Think about those moments when, when you could have anything and you have those moments where you feel like you don't have anything at all. The moments... Of desperation are the moments when we say to God, I just don't see. I just want to see. I don't understand. I just want to see. I don't get it. I don't feel it. I just want to see. When God goes to King Solomon and says, What do you want? Solomon says, basically, I want to see it. I want to have an understanding heart. I want it, I want to see. It. That's what you want, whether or not it has to do with something the glasses could help with or not. What you want is the ability to see over and over again, when someone understands a thing, they go, I see.
1: <laughs>
0: they don't mean, I behold it with my ocular capacities. It's not a retinal thing. <laughs> Bless you. you know what I mean? It's, that's not what people mean when they say, I see. When they say, i see here. When you see a thing, or I just don't see, they don't mean it's dark. When you see something, it means you agree with it. You connect with it. You have a bond with it. You agree and so the question that brings about every healing in the world is the question of what does it take for you to agree with God? Because you and I know how God sees you. We've talked about this. We've covered it amply. Good and very good and all of that. You know how God sees you when you have those moments of victory in your own life and in your own heart, when you're in the zone, when it works. Human dignity, beauty, and honor, and grace, and art. You know how God sees you. If you want to. Your healing. All you gotta do is find something that will help you see yourself a little bit more like that. That's it. That's it. Some little thing. So the question becomes: What's it gonna take for you to decide to see yourself that way? What's it gonna take? And for different people, it takes different things. I don't know about you, but I've been through some stuff. <laughs> Maybe it's just me. Or maybe this room is full of stories of people who have been through some things, and that's what it took to get them to a place of maybe not perfection, but a place of, you know what, there's got to be a better way. What does it take for you? And it's really interesting because in the story it takes something kind of weird, right? Do you know the story? Well, don't worry. It's okay. You came to the right place. I've read the Bible a couple times. The disciples go, whose fault is it? And Jesus goes, guys, you, you don't get it. Stop it. Put it down. Put the man down. Back away. He goes, this is so that there can be a healing. But then Jesus does a weird thing. There's all kinds of healings. We've talked about a lot of them. Jesus doesn't even go to see the man's son who's sick. Remember that one? And Jesus goes, your kid's fine. And he's fine. Jesus at the pool at Bethesda, the guy who can't get up, he goes, Jesus goes, do you want to be Well, and the guy goes, yeah, you get know, up. Yeah. No magic, no hocus pocus, no nothing. No special thing that you do or say or put on. And yet here in this story, Jesus says, okay, you want to see Here's what we're going to do. And he spits on the ground, and he makes some mud, and he puts it on the guy's eyes. I don't know, it's like a nice poor cleansing. Jesus is trying to get a job at Ulta. And he's like, <laughs> He does that thing. It's very rude. And he says, go and wash in this pool. The pool's called Siloam. Go wash in the pool of Siloam, and you'll be fine. And the guy goes and does the thing, and he's fine. Ah. But we have to ask ourselves, what's the deal with the mud? Well, after everything you said, after there's a commandment about no graven images, after over and over again Jesus says, you don't need a physical thing, why is there this... Physical thing. Why is this a here's mud in your eyes situation? I don't know if that's where that comes from or not. Who knows? Know. The toasting there. But anyway, what is that? And the answer is whatever it takes for you to see yourself differently. Whatever it takes for you to identify with the healing instead of with the affliction is whatever it takes. Whatever it takes is fine. Do the thing that gets you out of your way. Because until that moment, that man who had been born blind saw himself by his blindness. This is the truest truth about me is my problem. Maybe we all know how that feels sometimes. But the thing is, if you see yourself that way, it's very hard to get fixed. It's very hard to find love if what you're trying to do is apply love to a broken heart. Because all you see is that I'm a broken heart. You can't really fix that until you decide that that's not who I am. If you decide that I'm going to apply prosperity to a poor person, you're still thinking of yourself as a poor person. You're never going to get where you want to go. If you think I'm going to apply health to a sick person, you're never going to get healthy until you see yourself. So what do you have to do to see yourself as someone who is not what you might have always thought you were? This miracle is a lot like another miracle we know about in that wonderful scripture, the, the movie Dumbo. Think about it. Actually, it's the same story. Did you know that? Dumbo was born with this affliction. Who's sinned him or his parents? We don't know. We do know his mom's pretty cool. But that's not it. But he's born with, come on, you know the story, right? He's born with these ears. And it's his affliction. It's his problem. He can't ever possibly solve it. And he goes and he sees the crows. And there's some problems with cultural sensitivity and I'm not apologizing for that we got to grow up out of that. But anyway, something happens. And the crow, you know the story. You've seen the movie, or am I? Okay. Are we can put it up on. Anyway, <laughs> the crow gives up himself in the same way that Jesus spits on the ground. The crow gives a feather and says, maybe you're not what you thought you were. Maybe this is the beginning of And that feather, just like that mud, is what it took for Dumbo to see himself not as someone with an affliction, but as someone who can fly. What does it take for you? Now, here's the trick. Don't get stuck with the feather. The miracle for Dumbo doesn't happen until he lets go of the feather. The sight doesn't come back to the man who had been born blind until he washes the mud away. It's time to let go of that thing, to give thanks for it, and move on. And this is the universal story. I mean, Oz didn't give anything to the tin man that he didn't already have. That's a song. It's right after Sister Golden Hair on the CD. It's the story, right? Over and over again. It's the story. But it's a story of what does it take for you to see yourself differently. That's what it's always been about. When the guy gets back after he's gone and washed in the pool, he comes back, and all of his friends and his family are there, and they don't recognize because they saw him as sick, too. And it's not like Jesus also gave him a makeover. It's not like the first thing he did after, he, oh, I can see, and I'm going to do something about this hair. It's, that's not what happened. Yeah, thank you, Bailey, like that. Joke. Thank you for much. His friends didn't recognize him because they saw him as someone who was sick. How do your friends see you? Ask yourself, by the conversations that you have, by the interactions that you have, do I reinforce the idea that this is who I am as a person with problems? I mean, everybody's got stuff they're growing through. There's nothing wrong with that as long as you're growing through, rather than being defined by. Ask yourself, by the things that I say, am I helping my friends and my loved ones see me as someone who is afflicted, someone who is broken? How am I helping? Or am I helping people see me as healed and whole? am I helping? Because what you see is what you get. And as it turns out, you are not defined by your sickness, by your problems, by your stuff, because it won't be there, and you'll still be you. Someday, whatever it is that you're chewing on will be in your rearview mirror, and you'll still be you. So that's not the truth about you. Everybody in this room has had stories of incredible victory, of triumph over the odds. And I need you to know that those moments are the truth about you Conrad. That's who you are. You are a hero. You are victorious. You have the power to do it, whatever it is. Just find a way to connect with that, to agree with that. When something good happens, the doctor says, I don't know, I don't have any explanation, but you're fine. Or the good parking space happens, and everything in between, find a way to go, I see. (laughs) I agree. Because that's how you get more. But that requires letting go of something. It means not being comfortable with being broken anymore. And when I say that, most people go, well, I don't want that. I don't want to be broken. That's not who I am. Yeah, but you know what? Everybody knows what that is to, hey, how was your day? Oh, it was terrible. These things happen and these things happen. And people trade afflictions like baseball cards. It doesn't help anything. In fact, it hurts. Decide that that's not who you are anymore. Decide that there is a different way to see. And decide that you don't have to be broken. If we're going to get anywhere in this church, in this religious movement, in this whatever it is that you want to call it, one of the things that has to happen is that we have to decide that problems are not some kind of punishment for messing up. Think about it. I don't know where you used to go to church. You didn't start here. I think only Bailey started here. <laughs> I don't know where you used to go, and I'm not here to compare and contrast, but I do know that, that it might be that you came from a place that said, if you have a problem in your life, it's because you did something bad. Which leads to you to finding yourself as bad, which leads to what? More or less problems. Right? Mm. It's great if I want to keep people coming back, but it's not really helpful if I want healthy people in. Spoilers. God doesn't punish anybody for anything any more than gravity punishes you for getting back on a skateboard after 20 years. Don't ask me how I know that. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Life happens. Stuff happens. you got growing places because you're growing. It's nothing to be ashamed of. You didn't do anything wrong. You're just living. And maybe you dealt with something and not in the best way, but you know better now, so do it better now. That's all you don't have to carry that around with you. It's not the truth about you. And that's the lesson that the disciples have to learn. And it's the lesson that the Pharisees have to learn. This is also a no miracle because this is where the Pharisees, the authorities, start building the case against Jesus. Like they have files now. They had to invent files and now they have files. And they go and they get the guy who had been born blind. Now, a little bit, the Bible doesn't even give him a name. At the beginning it's the guy who was born blind and then they start calling him the guy who had formerly been born blind. It's like the artist formerly known as the guy who had been born blind. Yeah, they're not all good jokes. Anyway, they, they uh, the, the Pharisees get the guy and they go, who healed you? And the guy goes, I don't know, I didn't see him. And... Uh, <laughs> It was Jesus, right? Yes, it was Jesus. And then the Pharisees go, but it couldn't be Jesus because Jesus is a sinner. It couldn't be Jesus because Jesus breaks our rules and God doesn't listen to somebody who breaks our rules. Heroes aren't people who break rules. And if this was a movie, this would be the part where the guy who had been born blind looked at the camera. Because think about every hero you ever had. By definition, They break rules. By definition, they go outside what other people expect. They go outside of what the convention is, the common way of doing things. And yes, Jesus broke the rules all the time. That's how healing happens. Because maybe the rule is, what society agrees on, is that some people are supposed to be sick or poor or hurting. How many times have you heard people say, oh, that's the way the world works, that's the way the cookie crumbles, that's how it is, that's life. Who says? Because you and I have seen amazing things Incredible growth. Real victory. Yeah, the Pharisees go, well, it's you're defined by your sin, by your problem, by your affliction. And the guy goes, look, I don't know. All I know is I couldn't see. Now I can see. That's all I know. What do you know? You've been through stuff. Some of it you have gotten over. Some of it you have gotten past. Thank you, God. You got past that whatever it was That's just the beginning. How does it work? Whose fault? I don't know. It doesn't matter. All I know is we were blind. Now we see. The Pharisees, they don't get it. They kick him out. So who's blind in this story? right? You and I have been through moments where stuff happened. We can blame ourselves. We can live a life that is complaint-based. We can find ways to live in the hurt and live in the anger and stay in that. But even the disciples know better than that. We can decide that that in order to find my healing, I'm going to find fault. But it never helps. Jesus says, guys, stop the detective work. Your problem, because he's talking to us, is here so that you can grow. That's all. Jesus puts the mud on the guy's eyes and he tells him to go to the pool of Siloam. Did you know that the word Siloam means sent? Like he sent a letter. I mean, talk about hitting us over the head with the meaning of. It. The word means sent. So here's the math on this. Have you ready? What if your challenge? We're not even going to call it a problem anymore. It's a challenge. It's something you can rise to, something you can do. What if your challenge is the thing that you were sent? What if it's not your affliction? What if it's the way that you shine? What if it's the ears that help you fly? What if it's the way that you see? What if that problem isn't, isn't some kind of a punishment because God happens to love you? What if that's how you shine? What if life doesn't have to be spent fighting a thing or running away from a thing anymore? What if life is about saying, yeah, you know what, here I am to do this. I'm not saying you have to live with your affliction any more than you have to live with the blindness in the story. But I'm saying when you face it, when you find a way to say, you know what, bring it on. You know what, even, thank you, something can begin to change. You begin to connect with something. You can begin to look at your life and go, I see. Because you know, your wife has had amazing triumphs. your life has had amazing challenges. The people in this room have fought through and been through and grown through and loved through so much just to get here. But here you are. Let us all get to the place where just like the blind man who is no longer blind before the Pharisees, let us get to the place where we can say, look, I don't know how any of this works good, bad, or indifferent. I don't know how any of this works. I don't know where it came from, but I'm not interested in the past. I don't know what this means, but I do know that it's beautiful. And I'll take every moment of it. I'll take the successes and the failures because all of it has brought me here, and here is the moment where I know who I am. Finally, here is the moment where I see all of it, all of it is beautiful. That's when we rise above. That's when we get that's when we see. That's when we find love. And that's when we get free. Because after all, freedom is a choice.
1: Thank you. Very much. So my takeaway today, for sure, and man, it was a really powerful message. It really, really well, was. Well, thank you.
0: I got to say it really came from the heart. I, You know, sometimes I... Ha- I I often gauge how well the talk went by the crowd's reaction and by how good it feels to do. Mm-hmm. You know, because you can feel if there's a – I don't want to sound too uh, hokey, but you can feel when there's a blockage, when it's not flowing well, right. Think, you know, I
1: think when it comes from your – head or your intellect it's very Mm. different from when it comes from you know that feeling place and i think it's a nice combination but they're they are they're more powerful when they come from from that from that space and there was definitely it
0: felt it came from my heart today yeah so i'm glad to hear that it seemed people seem to enjoy we had some good good laughs today we had a lot of fun this morning
1: yeah it really was but i think the takeaway is just because you have problems in your life like everybody on the mm-hmm. planet it doesn't mean that you did anything wrong and even if you did do something wrong it doesn't matter and that is the big lesson it's like move on stop d- doing archaeology on how you got here why you got here i mean there's something to be said for going back and going wow i'm not going to do that again but let it let that just be what it is right, right? Well, make because- it make it simple on yourself
0: The thing is, when you genuinely fix a thing, just like I I was trying to say this morning, when you genuinely fix a thing, you built into the fix is the provision for not doing it the wrong way again. You don't have to explicitly treat the error state. You know what I mean? Uh, And I use the example of world hunger. We could talk about the environment. There's a lot of different people with a lot of different reasons why there's red tide in Florida or a problem with global warming or whatever. There's a a lot of different people have different reasons, and I'm sure they're all valid to some extent or another. But at the end of the day, the question is not whose fault it is, is it? But rather, what do we do about it? And in the course of living differently, living better, we stop doing the dumb, dysfunctional things. And you can take that to a global level, or you can also go, whose fault is it that I'm out of shape? Who cares? Who cares? If you start eating better and you start exercising built into that, well, you already, you're not going to break the thing that you fixed.
1: Well, and So stop thinking about the break. Right. And even if you feel stuck, if you start demanding better for yourself, things change. And then somebody watches you and they say, hey, that guy wanted better. So let me get behind that. And I'm going to, I'm going to get behind that. And that's how real change happens is by being the hero. And that was another theme that you talked about today too, was all the heroes break the rules. Yeah. Every hero story that you have ever known breaks the rules because somebody goes, I'm not going to do it that way anymore because that doesn't make any sense.
0: The rules that you live under are something that a human or a set of humans came up with at a certain point in time. And at that point in time, they reflected a heart feeling to some degree, a moment in time to some degree, and so on and so forth. But that time has passed. I'm not saying we don't have rules. You need to be able to say this is what I believe in and this is what we can all agree upon. It's important to set the ground rules, but it's important to let them be flexible, to let them grow as you grow, and it's important to challenge. One of the reasons why I love that we have questions every Sunday and then really on the fifth Sunday is because I want to make sure that that. People ask me que- – I want to be questioned. I'm not any kind of authority figure. I'm just somebody that, that – my job is I get to think about this more than the average person, and I've been to school for it longer than the average person. So I got something to say, mm-hmm. but I certainly don't have the only thing to say. And Just because I say it doesn't make it true. I want to be challenged about it. I want to talk through it with people. I want to work on this. When I look out at that congregation, I really do see a set of partners in this. We are all working to make ourselves better, to make the world better. The example that I have given many times now, and I, I keep giving it because it still hits a hits a chord with me, is some people feel like church is like a steam bath where you just sit and everybody's just okay. And you know that especially comes true today because if you feel like everybody is just defined by their suffering, you have two responses. You can either start picking on people and saying you're no good because you you're having a hard time, which talk about adding insult to injury. Talk about being one of Job's comforters. Or – you can go, well, let's all just be not okay together. And mm-hmm. we've all been to churches where it's the I'm not okay, you're not okay. And, you know, acceptance is beautiful. Or but if-
1: even pretending. Mm-hmm. The, it's not It's not even that. It's the pretending that you're okay. Well, yeah, and, and nobody and not, can and speak not being up. And not being any kind of real. Yeah. it's I, I, I want to know the people in our church, and I think that we do. I think we have fostered an environment where people can show up and say, man, it's, it was a hard week. Yeah. Or you know what? This is why I'm here today, or this is why I wasn't here last week, is because this is what's going on, and we can offer up our best guidance for them to say, well, you know, here's what I would do, right. and, and let's work on this together, and maybe maybe think about it differently. And I, you know, we're we're guides along this path. We're and here not, to
0: guide each other. Yeah, but that's absolutely. the thing: the average steam bath church is either a church full of people who. Can go look at the whole outside world and blame and point fingers, or it's a group of people who just all pretend like it's okay to be hurting all the time. Mm -hmm. And neither one of those things moves the needle. They don't make anything better. They don't change anything. It's just, like I said, it's a steamboat. We sit and we chill in that. We're all wearing the same outfit, the same towel. But I have always said and will always say that that's not what... I want out of a church. I think a church should be like in those movies when you have a bunch of people who are getting ready to jump out of a plane. And maybe there's a little bit of fear and tension, but there's this feeling of, guys, we got, we're doing this. This is happening. The plane's off the ground. Here we go. They're about to open the door. We're about to go do a thing that's going to change us.
1: I think we do. That's def- what church is supposed yeah, to be. Yeah, absolutely. And I totally agree. Either, you know, I mean, obviously. But um, I think we challenge a lot of people. I hope so. On, on a weekly basis. And you can see, um, when people step to the challenge mm-hmm. and you can see where people get a little bit, they get a little bit of Well
0: <laughs> you and, know? That's, and, and that's totally and, valid. Um, Just like yeah, I said, and, jumping out of a plane. And
1: I've had those times too. But what I love is that even if they're afraid, even if they're a little bit scared of going into, you know, going into the void, I think that, again, we have fostered an environment where that's okay it's okay to be where you are doesn't matter how you got here here you are and let's let's move on well and
0: I have to tell you that just like I said in the talk the thing that you're working on is nothing to be ashamed of it's nothing to fight it's nothing to run from the thing that you're working on is how you've been sent it doesn't matter. It's so easy to go, well, why is this happening? Why does this keep happening? And I understand that. I have asked that question many times, and I will probably slip and ask it again. It's so easy to get to that place. It doesn't matter why it's happening. The question is, how am I going to do different? How am mm-hmm. I going to do better? How am I going to come to a different place? And it's okay if you've got fear around that. Everybody's got growing places, everybody. And some of those are dramatic growing places, real things that we have to really look at. But I got to tell you, I've never jumped out of an airplane. But you and I have done a few ropes courses and things like that when we worked with teens on the teen retreats. Well, and I've yeah. run
1: two full marathons. And if yeah. you want, I mean, it, may, it might not be a ropes course where you're up high, but you run 26.2 miles and tell me at the end that you're not changed. Right. You know, well, and, I mean, that's, that's it's a thing. powerful, it's a powerful moment. It's
0: wonderful to do it. And it's wonderful to mentor other people through doing it. And in a way, that's almost more fun than getting to slide down the zip line at the end and all that. Because... What I've noticed is, the people who are like, eh, never done this before, but okay, whatever. They don't tend to get as much out of it. Sure. You know, there's there's the, something moves in them, and they, you know. But general, generally, and genuinely, <laughs> the thing that happens is the people who are like, I don't know, I'm doing it, but I'm terrified. I'm doing it, but I don't know what to expect. I'm doing this, but somebody, you know, keep your fingers crossed for me. You know, that sort of thing. Those are the people who are transformed. By that experience by the time they get to the end of it you can see a different kind of light in their eyes and part of that light never goes away mm-hmm. so what i'm trying to say is when you come to church or you go anywhere you're listening to this wherever you're listening to this right now there's something that you're working on and maybe it doesn't seem like a big deal and that's fine or maybe it seems like okay this is the thing this is the equivalent of me feeling like i'm blind i'm blind to how i feel about myself i am blind to who i really am i am blind to whatever it is it's big, and I'm scared. I want you to know that that is going to be proportionate to the feeling of victory that you have at the other end of it. Something is going to come through, click for you, and it's going to be huge. All you got to do is do it. There's something that you got to wash away. There's a feather you've got to receive and release mm-hmm. in order to fly. I hope Disney doesn't sue me, by the way, for talking about
1: Oh, that. I don't <laughs> think so. I think they would only sue you if you showed the actual movie. Yeah. Well, yeah and then we Or br- if I
0: came dressed up like an elephant. Nadia,
1: I don't know. I'm I not a big know.
0: costume guy. Nah.
1: Now it's the part of our podcast where we check it out. Check it out. Yes, we check it out. And if you've made it this far, that means yay. that you want... <laughs> yay for you. You've um, pulled the
0: shoot. You've done the free fall part. <laughs> Here we go. Drifting slowly homeward.
1: But it also means that you might be interested to be involved in the things that we are doing. So there's so much that we do mm-hmm. on a weekly basis. And the best way to find out about all of that is to go to waterandstonechurch.com. There you're going to see a gather page. And it talks about every time we get together. So our Sunday services and our um, Sunday sunset things and our sunrise walks and every volunteering opportunity in our service projects, all of it. It's all, and more S words, Sunday service, <laughs> sunset, a ho- not sunrise. Not S words
0: you're thinking. Oh. Of, no. but, but uh <laughs> but some pretty impressive s words but uh but you know our manifesto is up there what we're about our mission and vision uh, we have a great inclusivity statement really great uh, educational blog posts all kinds of cool things but check out that calendar that gather page especially because there are maps and directions we talked this morning about how we're doing a beach cleanup towards the end of the month and uh the map to where we're doing the beach cleanup is right there on the website. Go to the calendar and you can get everything that you need. And I really want to draw your attention not just to the calendar, not just to the blog, which is really cool, but also at the top of the page there's a link that says watch. And you can watch our YouTube channels and we put out uh, snippets like sort of a greatest hits of every Sunday talk up there there's some classes that I've taught about how we do prayer for example and a bunch of other things that are really it's a good place to start where you go what do these people believe it really what's it all about cuz we can't always be that linear and on a Sunday morning and you can take a little bit more time and sit down and really think about some of the stuff that we're really thinking about but I really want to draw your attention to the other YouTube channel we have because they've just started a brand new season.
1: Yay, we started season <laughs> two this last Friday, September 7th. Um, our first video went up. This month we're talking about all kinds of kid food, but adult versions of kid food. So it's like Kicked I'm up, a, churched yeah, up kid food. Yeah, churched up kids food. So um, go watch it. There's some really powerful lessons um, and some really good recipes oh, that man. you're going to no, want to put this is- into action well
0: i gotta tell you i'm as you know i love kid food yes comfort you do food. you, you were actually food. you
1: were my muse yeah for, i started it
0: by go yeah because i don't know if this is a regional thing because i grew up i'm from missouri but i grew up in iowa you know I, I started my earliest memories are in iowa and all that and my parents didn't move uh to florida until i was almost 10 years old And uh, so I have, I'm an Iowa boy. I like to call myself, me and uh, Captain Kirk, Iowa boys. But anyway, I don't know if it's a Midwest thing or what, but I grew up with Beanie Weenie. And that's a kid food, and you can still get beanie weenie in a kid, like Hormel or I one think of those you gross. can. I'm not sure. It's disgusting, you know. But anyway, I loved it. It's just baked beans and little hot dog pieces or whatever. And I remember a uh, a while back mentioning that to you, and you said, "Well, let, let's see if we could do that and have it not be awful and do it in a way <laughs> that an actual adult would enjoy, and it mm-hmm. would be actually kind of gourmet and really good, and and vegetarian, of course, and all that." And man. Oh, man.
1: I know. You almost took a knee right there. Yeah,
0: I was like, I'm going to marry you again. It's, it's going to happen. We're <laughs> All gonna, over we're beanie gonna, weenies. I'm going to, yeah, we're going to double marry ourselves because man, oh, man. Um.
1: Anyway. That happens
0: lots, to me a lot with you, by the way, but not <laughs> lots just Lots of good food. recipes
1: for this month. Go check it out and, um, and subscribe. Subscribe to both of the channels. That would be really, really great. Yeah. But the mo- number one thing that you can do is show up on a Sunday morning. Yeah. That is really where it's at. We meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. at UFSF St. Pete Harbor Hall. The address there is 1,000 3rd Street South. And it's right on the water. It's right... There so many it's beautiful, beautiful. Boy, sailboats. It was so pretty today. It was gorgeous yeah. today. Yeah. So come by. Check out the water. Stay for an hour. Stay for a very powerful service. If, you, if you've listened to this service today and you can feel how moving and wonderful it is. I want you to just take a minute and imagine what it would be like if you were in the room with all the other like-minded people. Just like we talked about with the Paul Simon concert, come and be a part of a community. Come and be a part of something and start here. Start with us because I guarantee you it will be life-changing. So show up 11am USF Harbor Hall.
0: And if you want to know more about some of the stuff that we're doing, you can just text Text I am ready. I A M R E A D Y One Word. I am ready to eight four five seven six. If you text I am ready to eight four five seven six, you'll be in the loop with our text messaging system. It's how we send out our newsletter. It's how you get the the up to the minute news about what's going on. And we don't send a lot of text, maybe one or maybe two a week, but usually just one a week about the newsletter. But sometimes it really comes in handy if there's a change of venue or time or if there's something about an imminent service project or anything. There's a lot we're doing, and it's a great way to be in the loop. So, text I am ready at 84576 or go to the website, water and you'll know what you need to know.
1: This podcast is recorded at Pin Feather Studios. On the very soft, very comfy orange couch.
0: And the Paul Simon of Pinfeather Studios is the handsome and strong Raina Randolph. She edits these podcasts. She does so many things around here. And she is half of the amazing music that you hear. The other half is the lovely and talented Miles Randolph.
1: This podcast is solely supported by you.
0: And you know what that means. You can go to the website and donate electronically if you want. You can shop at smile.amazon.com in such a way that it benefits the church. Please tell your friends about this. The only way that any church ever grows is if people do two things. If they show up, and if they tell their friends. So please tell your friends. Share any of our posts. If you post a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast, if you repost or retweet or like or share something on Facebook or Twitter or wherever it is, we've got a great Instagram channel, great Twitter, great YouTube, great Facebook stuff going on. Share that with somebody. Email a link to somebody who you think will get something out of this. There's somebody you know that you haven't told about this yet. Now is the time to let them in on this little secret. But most of all, the thing to do is show up Be there for one of our sunrise walks or our sunset celebrations. Be there for one of our amazing men's or women's groups. Be there for our incredible community-changing service projects. But most of all, be there on a Sunday morning at 11 o'clock at Harbor Hall, right here in St. Pete, the finest city on the face of the earth. And it is fine because you're there.